Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. This is for episode 604. Uh, I don't know if there's a title for it yet, but it is uh, It is written by Ann Cherkis. It was directed by Ray Seahorn. What? Kim Wexler herself? Yeah, Yay! she directed Yay! this episode. Ray Seahorn. And uh, I'm, I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm uh, an editor on the show. And uh, with us, as always, is uh, also former editor of the show and of Breaking Bad and the creator of this podcast, Kelly Dixon. Hi, everybody. Kelly. Hello. Thanks, everybody. I used to be an editor on the show. That's correct. (laughs) That's what what I was saying. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm good. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. Good to see you. I'm great. Even though I'm not not really seeing you, but seeing you on Zoom, it's good to see you. I know. It's this, it's, again, it's such a bummer that we're not all in the same room, but I mean, this is, this definitely better than nothing. And, and, uh, I've been hearing them and they, they sound surprisingly good. Like we're almost like we're in the room together. Almost. Nice. Um, Nice. Podcast can't stop because of the surge, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nothing can, (laughs) no, no kind of variant can stop the podcast. That's the way. Famous last words. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of famous last words, also with us, as always, is um, a two-time editor from Better Call Saul. He's my co-pilot, Joey Reinish. Hello. Yay. Hi, Joey. Hi, Joey. I'm occasionally an editor on the show. That's right. I said two-time. Yeah. The two-timers club. Come on, man. Uh, and, uh, Nobody's working with you today, Chris. That's. I guess <laughs> no. not. I guess, You know what? I'm going to head out. It was great to see everybody. <laughs> This um, is the worst improv class ever. It's all no No, we're just rushing. This is no and, not yes. Exactly. And. Uh, <laughs> Joey, Joey, be careful about wearing your two timers club sweatshirt around the hall. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. all I'm gonna say. You might, your wife might not like it. Yeah, it could be a, a human resources kind of situation too. Um, and uh, well, speaking of uh, people we see around the halls and uh, at the office, incredible segue. It's the co-creators of the show and executive producers, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Yay, Yay us! Yay! Yay, Yay us! Hooray. That's right. Hello. That's uh, hi. Good to see you guys. You haven't seen me in the halls in two years. It's been a well. It's been. I feel like <laughs> see, I see. I'm continuing the no and. Yeah, thing. this is it's yeah. going. <laughs> It's it's going great. I'm I am I'm 0 for four, and uh, this is six o four, so that seems appropriate. And uh, right. and and what an episode that we're going to dive into. And our our special guest, uh, the already mentioned, the writer of this episode, Ann Cherkis, and the director and star of this episode, Ray Seahorn. Yay, both of you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fifth time's a charm. I got a name for this episode. Two awesome yeah. ladies did an awesome job. I think oh. that's what we should call it, Peter. If it'll fit it. on right. the little Agreed. on the little readout on TV. There we go. Yes. I'm told the title is Hit and Run. Is that's it really? correct? Hit and Run. Yes. I like mine better. <laughs> yeah, I think too awesome. It's a good backup one, and and maybe that's maybe we just put that in the episode description. That's yeah, all right. There you go. That would be a better episode description instead of. Yes. I mean, I I remember on Breaking Bad, there would always there would always be something like, you know, Mike contemplates. I was like, what? What happens in this episode? We stole that from Mad Men. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's it's a. I think it's a good strategy because when I watch something, I don't want to know what's about to happen. Um, exactly. Which is why I hope nobody's listening to this before you've watched the episode. Um, no, that would be stupid. That would be stupid. That would. Yeah. Um, 
let's just dive right into this episode. I I, I edited this episode. Uh, it's my first of, of this season. Uh, it's been a, yeah. a very good job. Thank you very much. And Ray, uh, you know, when we we have actually worked together previously on a, a short film that you directed, yes, and which was a which was a blast, and and then um, this year because I mean in part because of COVID, but also because uh, you're uh, one of the stars of the show. Uh, we're in Los Angeles, you're in Albuquerque, and so um, you know we had to work remotely and using this yep. this uh, Clearview system, and which I I think right. worked surprisingly well i agree i agree yeah we had a i think it was watching it on the laptop screen and then the i feel like and then i facetimed you on my ipad correct next to it is how we were doing correct so y'all were never y'all were never together no no it's hard that's hard i find that's really hard it but was it, hard. I think that um, I'm very grateful that, uh, first of all, we're, it's not like it's a show where either of us doesn't know the, the sound of the music of this show, uh, tone-wise. And, and, you know, like he wasn't right. coming in cold and neither was I. And then also Chris and I have um, a friendship uh, outside of the show as well. And and we work together on my shorts. So I think, those, I, I think if it had been two strangers trying to figure out a new tone of a show, it would have been a lot harder to not be in the same room. I agree. That would have been tricky. Yeah, I'm curious because, um, Ray, you know, like I've known you since the season one of Better Call Saul. And I remember even, you know, maybe like around season two and three, you were really, really wanting to direct. And I remember you coming into my editing room and kind of sitting and, you know, sort of learning, you know, about what goes on in there. So by the time, obviously you did the short with Chris, but by the time it came down to this, you know, one that you finally did direct, it's like, were you, what was that like for you? Um, you know, finally getting to do it and, and then not being able to be in the room. Of course, I would prefer to be in the room. Like, I, and I can say that about a long list of things during the pandemic, but, um, but uh, it's funny, like, yes, I always had them. I love, love to um, collaborate with writers and started in new play development in theater. And then later was um, working on script development with people and, I sort of gravitate towards writers and then I also coach actors and I love to talk to actors. So there was a part of me that always thought, I wonder if I'd enjoy directing or ever become good at it. I don't understand lensing, but I went to school for art. So I understand composition once I see it and this, that, and the other. And I was hoping those elements would all add up. But the truth is my going to watch uh, everybody else's work that I'm not in and my asking if I could watch you edit and my uh, wondering, going to talk to Dave Porter about <laughs> composing and everything, that's actually just what I'm like. I didn't have an agenda when I first started doing that. I sit in Video Village and I watch um, usually for selfish reasons. Number number one, at any given time, watching anybody on our crew uh, behind or in front of the camera, it's like, oh, you got free tickets to some masterclass. Do you want to go or do you not want to go? And if you're not busy, you go. Um, and then secondly, selfishly for performing, I'm just somebody that I like to hear the music of the show over and over. And by that, I mean the, the, the rhythms and the tone. And um, this show has a very slippery tone and switches within the scene and I, I like I like hearing that right before I'm doing my own work I like seeing it and feeling it and being around it um, and I really like 
to learn about what everybody else is doing. Cause I, this show celebrated all of my dreams that I know that this is supposed to be a collaborative art form when it's at its best. And people don't always follow that route. And, um, this show does. So yeah, I will, say I feel like too. I just like, uh, you get more and more respect. Uh, you have more and more respect for people when you understand what they're putting into it. And I just, I just like that. And then people were like, Oh, do you want to direct? And I was like, uh, sure yes I do yes I do yes I do um, and um and I did want to but yeah that's my long form of saying like I just I was just there because that's what I do as a human first so so let me ask you this um finally seeing what Chris had put together on his editor's cut did it get it right putting y'all both on the spot a loaded question yes it is I blew it no I blew it's the first time I've never felt so unprepared no that's not true how did you how did you feel no I, I mean I think you did such a great job I mean it was really I mean because this is your this is your television directorial debut am I correct about that absolutely yeah it's like I mean it's it's night and day from the shorts I did the the two shorts I've done I'm proud of but um they were almost just one person uh occasionally two people you know no um it's too long of a list to say the 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 differences. This was a um, a huge challenge and daunting and scary, but also as Peter and Vince reminded me to make sure I did before I started to just even if you have to force them on yourself to find some moments of joy. <laughs> and I did. I had some fun in spite of myself some days. But um, yeah, I mean, seeing the cut was it was uh, very relieving to make sh- to, to see that I didn't have a huge gap and like miss some storytelling element. Um, and I was thrilled, of course, like anybody, I imagine even seasoned directors, like you see, see what you didn't get. <laughs> no, there, I, I will tell you right now, a lot of directors are not thrilled. And so that's why I was curious. They're really, not I was thrilled. thrilled. I think, <laughs> and I know, I think I was supposed to be like, Oh man, I messed up. But maybe Chris just magically dug out my story from somewhere, but I was, no. I was thrilled. I okay. really was. I mean, it Good. needed it needed work from all of us, and there's things that if I could have gotten them in addition to things, I would have. But uh, my forte going into it, I knew, was that I understand the storytelling and I understand character point of view in a scene. Um, and, I, and I got that. And the rest of the crew supported me on finding, okay, how do I visually tell the story that I'm explaining to them? And... Um, it was ex- it was exciting to watch. Like I said, of course I see my mistakes. I see my mistakes as an actor yeah. still. I can barely watch it the first time without complaining about my big stupid face everywhere. But I was happy. You did a wonderful job. Yeah. One more question. I'm gonna shut up. Was there anything that you were surprised about? Like when when you saw what Chris had done, was there anything that you were like, wow? Oh, I hadn't thought about doing it like that. Um, I was actually surprised in a good way first of all that, that that's what I meant rith- good the good way <laughs> yeah the, uh there were rhythms that I th- thought about for transitions and um pieces of the scene and some were really subtle comedic things um that Chris got like 99% of what I had thought about um which was it was fun it was, it was like that's like when you're acting and you have a lot of subtext as I do on the show, uh, and you walk, you talk to somebody who literally read your thoughts, and it's like, I thought she was thinking X, Y, Z. That's that was sort of the cool feeling. Editing with Chris is like, oh, he he heard the song in my head, 
uh, as like the rhythm of the scene. And then other times when he did something different, it was fun to see, oh, that's another interpretation. Um, what's telling the story better here? Uh, so that was cool. That's incredibly sweet of you to Congrats, say. Congrats, Chris. Thank Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> well, and and speaking as as an editor, I I your your preparation. I mean, I've worked with you know plenty of other directors, and your your preparation. You would never, nobody would ever know that that was your first time directing an episode. It was, it was. Uh, you did a spectacular job. Oh, thanks. My my hats off to the, to the crew to the crew and and Anne's writing you know oh. it, you're, you're starting with such an incredible foundation going well, in and I, I've told people this and I know it sounds like I'm putting myself down but I'm not if I had passed out on the first day and literally just been like I can't do it though that crew would have directed the episode and put my name on it in a heartbeat you it's like walking around with mattresses around you like they would never let me fall there's not a chance but they also made sure that they were my decisions. They never let it not be my episode. And that's part of the COVID protocols too, is walking around with mattresses <laughs> all over you. It's, yeah. Let me tell you, when you're in the when you're in the red zone, like it felt like that towards the end with like all of us. We were like, wow, they are not gonna let us get sick. Did you have fun writing this one, Ann? I did. I did. It was uh I, I was really happy that my episode happened to have moments where we could have some humor you know I always yeah. I always love that and because I know that Bob or whomever but usually it's Bob um is gonna just nail it and when I did watch the cut finally um you know Bob as Howard Hamlin strutting down the street <laughs> with the whole get up. It just made me so happy. It just, he was so great. He, I mean, he's always great, but it just, because he's also a comedian, you know, he just has that extra something that mm -hmm. uh, makes it sing. And I, so yeah, I did. I mean, I always... I always have fun writing these episodes. I mean, it's, you know, amazing characters and incredible storytelling, and I just try not to mess it up. I loved story. how much funny you put in this one, Anne. And, um, the, but also the funny was frequently about things are not as they seem. Right. Uh, and so using, and you so seamlessly made that... Um, a theme of sorts in the drama parts as well as the comedic parts. And it was uh, really fun to perform in those pieces as well as um, get to direct them. It's just such a tight, well-woven episode. What? How tough was it acting when you're directing at the same time? Great question. I was going to ask was that hard. as well. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. I, um, uh, with, only one exception because he wasn't in town um and that's jonathan banks i i found everybody that i was in scenes with and rehearsed them and spoke to the person both as an actor and as a director so that mm. there would be a very quick shorthand when we're doing the scenes about we had already pre-discussed the beats and things like that not so that we couldn't discover things but so i had the freedom to because i really 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 didn't want to not uh be in character to be, um, you, you know, in service to my scene partner when I'm doing the scene. I don't want to be watching them like a director, but there also isn't time to watch playback on, on things. Um, I found that out 
quickly. Uh, so we pre-discussed things. I made sure that I was, I spoke to Michael Morris, our producing director, as well as um, Angie Myers, our AD. There were, there were people that I would tell them, I'm looking for this calibration from myself. I'm looking for uh, these different varying colors. Um, then I would see what my scene partner was doing and go back and tell them, like, now I want to make sure that I get this change because you never can know exactly how you're reading as an actor, which that has always confused me when you meet actors that don't want to be directed. Um, you can be playing the most authentic choice from the truest place with all the prep in the world, and it didn't read the way you thought it read, which when I run into actors that won't be directed, I always think, like, in your lifetime, you've never have had somebody completely misinterpret you and think like, oh, I thought you were mad at me or, oh, were you flirting? It's just like it doesn't always present the exact way it feels. So that's my side note of like I definitely ask people to watch this, watch this. Please look out for this. Um, and then with Jonathan, he's the only one that I wasn't able to rehearse with beforehand. And uh, in that incredible scene, thank you, Anne. I've been waiting what for those great, two characters. What a great scene. Oh, my God. Oh oh my God. I, I screamed out loud when I read the script. <laughs> so exciting. And, and the, way, so the exciting. showmanship the showmanship of how you put it over where you have a mm -hmm. shot or you have a shot a little before you introduce him where he's in the background and you don't yeah. know it. You don't know it's him. And then you have that great slide over. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it, it just feels Where you perfect. hear his voice first. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. perfect. Which I loved. It's perfect. Um, it's just, it's yeah. so beautifully done. And also uh, that's where, uh, you know, you're, this was one of your contributions, I believe, which was that uh, this was originally supposed to be an exterior outside the restaurant. Yes. And, right. and it turned out not to be not to be practical <laughs> and uh boy i'm glad i'm so glad with the way the way you ended up doing it it's just beautiful yeah that you know i'd forgotten that was it too loud out on the street was that the problem well there was a couple of things it was going to be um as though he's waiting for a bus and there were logistical issues with using anything existing that looked like a bus stop or putting anything in because the exterior of that diner had already been seen so we had some mm -hmm. stuff there and then we were going to move it to a bench right in front of the diner um and it was going to have extremely flat harsh sunlight oh. for the majority and then if you'd either have to mimic that if you had to keep shooting after the sun moved or be stuck with what was really unflattering and very unmoody lighting gotcha. um and we talked through it with paul and everybody and you also would we would have had our backs literally against a wall and it would have limited that coverage. And I um, talked to Paul and Angie and then Peter that I wanted to mimic a favorite scene of mine from Heat with De Niro and Amy um, Brenneman, where uh, they find they both are on guard and then they let each other in with some information. Um, so that's why I asked nice. to do it at the at the booth. Oh man, borrow from the best. God, man. Man. that's awesome that you. You, know, a heat, you threw a heat reference. Are you sweating, visual. Chris? Are you sweating on that one? Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. It's you know what? It's a challenging experience. A lot of, uh, half of us on this podcast have have had the experience, and uh, I think we all learned a lot that's from right. Michael Mann. 
Yeah. Oh God, for yeah. sure. Michael Mann is My, Michael Mann is the man. Oh yeah, no, it, it's <laughs> I feel lucky to have worked with. Him. Is that the scene where, where De Niro's like, "What do you care about what I do so much later?" Yeah. It's like, "What do you care about what I'm reading, yeah. lady?" The most romantic start to a. To a, I mean, ever since James Caan like yanked the lady out of the the club and threw her in his car, it's like right. let's start this big romance. Complicated male female exactly. relationships, what we're saying. Well, and to be clear, in my in my mimicry, uh, I'm De Niro, and and yeah. Jonathan is Amy in I this like scene. It. I like that. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed that. I, I love that. It is a great scene. I love that scene yeah. so much. And talk about yeah. b- backing up a little bit. Let, let, let's go back to the teaser. Yeah, let's, I, I, let's I wanna, go back to the teaser. Anne, yeah. Anne and There's Peter a shit ton and of Vince. Stuff yeah. Happening. L- l- talk about talk about this teaser was yeah. so funny. You guys talk about how you decided to put this teaser in. It's crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so much info, and I remember like it was funny because. I, when I was watching, I watched it twice. I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and then I watched it again this morning. And it was funny because I was like writing in my notes, bikers through neighborhood, bikers in house, watching Gus Spring's house. And then I wrote in parentheses, do we know that Gus knows? But yes, we do. And later in the episode, we know. So it's like, I was just, I was like, damn, y'all just think of everything. And now it, it makes me think of like the ramifications for later. Remember when Walter White is walking out there and we yes. see, yeah. yeah. It explains that pretty good. (laughs) And if you recall, Kelly, back then on Breaking Bad, we had no idea how Gus knew. We just figured, well, he's just, boy, he's just got eyes in the back of his head. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So it's like, fuck. It was great, though. And I I was just curious, when you're answering all that, can you talk about the song that you guys decided on as well? Who came up with that song? I don't know that Yeah, that song was someone's decision, like, early on. I think it was even played for me when I was shooting or something. We got it. Oh, wow. It was... was, it, we got it from Thomas uh, Golubich, our our f- phenomenal music supervisor. And it was it was among several that he picked, and that was one that I just responded to, and and it went well. It kind of went as a as a nice counterpoint to this this we, the imagery that we were seeing. It's like it seems like so light and you know fluffy, mm-hmm. and then it keeps that vibe as suddenly we're seeing this this new place and there's guys with guns and it's this sort of like the this sort of turning turning suburbia on its head and it just seemed like the right vibe it's great it's and kirk great and joni boville were great that's they are a real couple those two actors that's kirk right and joni boville, in real life that's awesome. a real couple right yeah yeah, yeah. That's, what are the names again i'm sorry kirk and joni boville nice they um awesome. did y'all really paint that house or did you was that visual effects I'm sad to say that that it's visual effects, Kelly. It's it's ah. another another week, another uh, visual effect. Uh, yes, thwar- another thwarting visual effect letdown for for Kelly. No, no, no. I just think I wanted to say quickly. I think that it's really interesting for people to learn that visual effects don't all, always mean you know like spaceships and stuff like that. I mean, sure. there's very very minor things because I've got another question about visual effects later. But go ahead, Peter. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Interrupt. Oh, that's a. That's okay. One of the things I love about this teaser, though, is to think about what people saw last week. Uh, yeah. You know, which is oh the end God. of episode three. The end of episode three is so devastating and, and, and upsetting. And then to go into the sequence, which is you know so light. It's one of the things I'm really proud of about our show is that we can we can whip back and forth between these tones and somehow yeah. 
somehow it works uh, thanks to uh, thanks to the artistry of the the participants. But it's it's uh, it's it, yeah. I, I I love that I love that song too. And there's just I, I, there's an interesting story behind it that I can't remember. But maybe maybe Mike Bermantrout remembers because I think in fact that group is a very early integrated group. Uh, that's actually the, the group that's singing is it's uh, it's from the early 60s and it was a rare uh, a rare integrated uh, group and I think they made they made a big impression at the time as I recall. That's right, Peter. The group was called the Dreamliners. Oh, fantastic! Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> He's always got the info. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what was the thought process in 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 coming off of the the sort of the like devastating tragedy of, of Nacho's death to just to suddenly throw us into uh, people we've never seen in this, this world we are not yet sure of. I mean, talk about that. Do you remember, Anne, when we were, I mean, it's always a, a bit of a group effort in the, in the breaking of the stories. And yes. then of course you did a wonderful job writing the script. I, I can't even, God, you're talking about six or seven years ago. Right <laughs> on well, well, it's, it's, it's literally more than a year ago. Yeah. It's more than a year. I, it's a long um, time. I, I don't know if I remember exactly. I mean, I know that we talked a lot about how to, what was the best way to reveal this setup that Gus has, you know, this safe house. So, and then, I, you know, I guess... It ends up being really about the showmanship, which is always delightful on this show. And just the, um, you know, just, you know, permitting us to all of a sudden be plunged into this other world where we don't necessarily understand it, but we're enjoying it and we just want to see where it goes. And... I don't remember. It may have been, I think it may have been Allison Tatlock who had the idea of their riding bikes, but I could <laughs> be wrong. <laughs> might, that sounds right. But, you know, I, I, I think you're exactly right the way you explained that. And then it's, I think it probably started from if you're Gus Fring and this guy is out to get you, but you have to carry on as a pillar of the community, as an absolutely law-abiding, upstanding pillar of the community. How do you, how do you, to use Peter Gould's wonderful expression, how do you square that circle? How do you live your life as a, as a wonderful, beloved, you know, guy who, you know, is absolutely law-abiding and yet you're, you know, you're, you're, you got, you got to have some armed guards. You can't do it all yourself. You're not James Bond. You know, how do you, how do you have a lot of eyes out there? And so then, uh, yeah, we came up with the idea of, uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he has the house. Everyone knows his address. He's in the phone book probably, but how do you, if someone drives up in front of his house and shoots it with a bazooka or something, how is he going to survive that? <laughs> well, he's because he's living next door through a secret tunnel underground. And then, and then, yeah. But here's the interesting thing about that. I understand that you guys are probably thinking that, I mean, look, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to be presumptuous, but the way you set up the story, that is not what an audience, I think, is going to think. You're going to think, wait a minute, who's watching Gus Spring's house? I mean, right. that's the way it's set up. Oh, yeah. I right. th yeah. I think that's very purposeful yeah. uh, from you guys is this this misdirect of yeah. it's, it's the mystery. security system. 
Yeah, it's we always say in the writers' room: mystery, good; confusion, bad. So this is <laughs> right. that's exactly the way we right. talk because we're like you know we're just we we don't have time we're for pithy. you know yeah you know, we're pithy you know time for uh, like uh, V and 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 things sure, like sure. connective tissue because yeah. Can, yeah, exactly. I know that when I first watched it last week I mean I apologize but it'd been a long time since I saw the front of Gus Fring I didn't know mm-hmm. whose house that was and I was like whoa. Mm-hmm. What and, and I mean, you know, the way you lead us through it, these bikers, okay, now, okay, there's people living in their house. What the fuck? Okay. And then you're like, oh, they're watching somebody. And I was like, I don't know. Obviously, there's people are going to be like, geez, Kelly, how could you not know that? But, you know, I couldn't remember. So I thought it was pretty interesting. And then later when you come back to it, you know, I thought that was really, really great. I think that's exactly if, if I weren't working on the show uh, the way I watch TV, I would be exactly in your camp, Kelly. There's no way I'd remember Gus Fring, the outside of Gus Fring's house. But I think that's the the idea is, you know, we kind of figure out what it is from Gus's point of view. And then then the, the second step is to think, of how do you how do you reveal it? What's the most interesting yeah. way to tell the to tell the story to lead the audience through it, and yeah. and you know sometimes maybe we get a little bit. Uh, well, we, you know what our, our general rule is that the audience is really smart and they remember things. Yes, and yeah. so far yeah. so or they'll far figure that, it is, out. that has served us well. They'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or they'll figure, or they'll it, figure out. it out because it yeah. could be just as rewarding yeah. to not understand until the end when you have Gus drive by and we yeah. purposely left the same car in that circular driveway and the neighbors like. We we did some little bird seed things too towards the end where you you could start to get it all along the way until he goes through that tunnel. Um, but I think you know it's a fun experience no matter where you're doing the math. I think yeah, that's true. You you get a little yeah. And God bless our fans for being so attentive because most of them probably will say, "Oh my God, it's Gus Fring's house. They're living next door to Gus Fring. What does this mean?" But like Ray said, it it, it kind of it doesn't really. In a, ultimately, hopefully, it doesn't really matter. You either get it earlier, you get it later, but you eventually get it. It's yeah. it's all there in the in the hour. You just don't get it all at once, yeah. which is yeah. is the fun way to tell a story. Not, mm. you know, versus like the 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 bad way to tell a story is you know you know Dave, how long have we been brothers? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I, I, I give that example to so many people. I know about me too. Writing. Every it's time, such a great example. I think about that all the time because you've been saying that for a long time, Vince, and I think, yeah. oh, yeah, how long have we been brothers? A thing you would never say ever. Yeah, and, yeah, yet, and yet you hear it every once you in a while. It's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. Talk about that tunnel. I, I, my, oh, yeah, talk about – Ray, talk about the tunnel. Yeah, and the construction oh of that gosh. set. and Because I know when I was in Albuquerque uh, for, my, for my, my, mission, my Michael Morris mission – um, if in finishing the movie, I was lucky enough, as was Mike Bermatrout, weren't you, Mike? You betcha. That's right, to visit the set, and uh, <laughs> and we got to see. And, and when I was there, they were just taping out what was eventually going to be that, I assume, quite large set. I mean, maybe it's not, maybe it might be kind of narrow, but... Uh, it was very interesting. It was intriguing to me to see that. To talk about the 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 thinking behind that, and and um, and then we can talk also about the different versions of the cut that we had. And can you also say, like, I mean, is this the house is literally next door to Gus's house? It is. Oh, oh wow! It's literally. Okay. Yeah. And cool. The other way we thought about explaining that was, you know, you could do the Monty Python version, where you know you pan from Gus's house, and then you hear, you know, you hear footsteps. 
as, as you go, as you pan over the lawn and then you come over, you come over to the house next door and then, you know, then, then he emerges from there. But, but I, I, I think I like the way Ray did it. I like going through the I tunnel. S- I spent like a second thinking like, should I, cause it's a small gap between the two houses. And I, I did, I did spend a moment thinking, should we try to devise something where we, we are on this space that's nothing. It's just a pass through between two homes and then pan down and somehow mm-hmm. fuse it in the camera edit so that you then see the tunnel as he's yes. walking underneath. Descend, um, yes. But or do the then, cutaway version. Uh, yeah. Yes. Honestly, and that was because we were on location looking at it. And then as soon as I... <laughs> and this is <laughs> for, for, for all the directors that... Uh, feel envy right now let me make it worse for you because it's uh because i got to direct on a show with this kind of crew and uh production design and people i then was taken to the sound stage pretty soon after that and shown the taped out tunnel you guys are talking about where i found out from uh the amazing denise pizzini our production designer this year and dins danielson art directing and a bunch of other people that's when I was told, like, oh, we're going to actually build this whole tunnel. And then Paul Donaghy was there and, like, immediately was like, can I shoot a one-er? Is this possible? Can we do this? And then it was just, like, a frenzy of insane genius excitement. And then I was like, well, then that's how we're shooting it. If you're going to build this actual tunnel and we could pull this off, uh, then that's the way you go, obviously. <laughs> and just to be clear, Ray, what was... What was the set? Was the was the house was Gus's house a set? Was the basement a set? What was what was the, what was actually a set and what was what was the location? So Gus's house is a real location and the first uh, floor, the, the Ryman's the, the exterior the, the, ground, the interior. Ex- exterior Both. and interior yeah. ground floor. Yeah. Is it uh, the same? Is it the same house? It is the same house. Oh, wow. cool. And then and the bedroom as well and the closet Actually, we built the closet, but we built it in the real house. And then the neighbor's house is exterior and interior, the real neighbor's house in real life. Um, And then am I supposed to give away like how we masked the one or <laughs> sure. no sure <laughs> this we tell everything. So but the base, the, the basement, tunnel, the basements, the basements are not real. Those are what's okay. That's the, that's the set real. that we that was all that the taped out thing that we saw. Yes. But there's a basement set on either end of the tunnel, all in the soundstage. There's a basement yes. of Gus's house, and then you go through the tunnel, and then you come out into the basement of the neighbor's house, and those are all sets on a. That's all one giant set on the soundstage, right? It, it, Correct. It, it, yeah. And as I recall, it was one of the weirdest looking sets from the outside that I've ever been on because it looked like yeah. kind of a, a dumbbell, a dump, big dumbbell with a basement on either end. And then kind of a bent part in the middle, which was mm-hmm. the tunnel. And it was it was a remarkable I got to I got to walk through it briefly. It was, it was, it was remarkable. It didn't it's look a great. It, set. It, like everything mm-hmm. else, it looks so different once uh, our DPs uh, light it up yeah. because it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, they really do a wonderful job. And, and uh, Paul did a fantastic job on this episode. Yeah, I also about, I also talk, have talk, to give a shout out briefly, though, to, to Steve Brown. Our construction, yes. our construction yes. coordinator, oh, yeah. and the whole construction team. Don't forget, this is uh, during. This is all being built during the pandemic when uh, mm-hmm. materials were very hard to f- come by, and yeah. they <laughs> did a fantastic job. And also, and I'll keep going back to these guys because I think they're amazing. The uh, the set painters, because yeah. that mm. you know th- those walls that look like concrete are actually you know it's all this is all wood. This is all wood. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's the painting and the skimming and the work these guys do is just incredible. And the way you shot it was incredible. Yeah. And, and, and the set deck in those two, Denise and, and yes. uh, Ashley and all the people, the set decorating and art direction, like those two basements are so drastically different. And yes. I love that you completely start to feel where you are when you enter the second one um, yeah. and the revolving book th- uh, bookshelf or game game shelf. And those Paul Donici and Steve Latecki and all of the art design and the construction people walking through there to figure out how to aid and support each other and designing the shot with me. And, you know, cause Paul, it was on handheld and um, I was lucky that uh, he's a steady cam operator. So I got to do that in that. And, uh, but he had to, how do you get up those stairs without falling over? Like the, the return on the stairs to go up out of the Ryman's basement at first was built in a way that he, you couldn't do a one or he would, he would trip trying to get around to go up. You would see oh. other people or see crew or something. So everybody was working together as a team to make that beautiful shot happen. The it's other thing that, that I didn't realize until I watched it this morning, I'm like, wait, there's a double. Where's that? Cause I go, where's that guy going? I'm like, Oh, yeah. God. The Gus he looks just like Gus. Yeah, oh, shit. The doppelganger. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Double fringer, if you will. So it's like Gus has a double and Lalo has a double. It's like, whoa, okay. I mean, all the crime lords have. Du- it's a very smart move to have That's a true. double. You 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 always want to have somebody yeah. else out there, you know, taking the yeah. taking the hit. Hamlin oh, yeah. even has a double. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. right. I mean, almost it's, it's a perfect the criminal double. version of Franz Kafka. <laughs> <laughs> there always a double. So I just, I mean, we're gonna. I, I just don't want to run out of time because this episode is so chock full of so many things. Um, I was going to bring up uh, this home life of Howard that happens mm. in his therapy that it's like, and all I wrote down was, whoa, Cheryl won't talk. Deadlocked. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, mm. what is this? What is going on with Howard? You know? And, and then Patrick obviously, did such a beautiful job mm. in that scene too. He's yes. fantastic and in that scene. He's wonderful. And Kelly, yeah. you, so you, you'll appreciate this. I actually use a, a patented Kelly Dixon trick, which I, I do a lot. You ran something That's, backwards? It, no. Uh, no, I, <laughs> although, although stay tuned later this season. There's quite a lot of that. <laughs> Uh, no, so I, I always, I'll never forget in episode 509 of Breaking Bad, that very famous line, you know, if you, if I, if you really, if I really am who you think I am, when Walt says, maybe your best course would be to tread lightly. Tread lightly. And you, that, <laughs> that, that reading of tread lightly, that like chilling, bone chilling tread lightly is from a different take. Yeah. And that that take, I think he was like, maybe your best course would be to tread lightly. And it's and it's still scary, but you found this piece. And so the the this is a really long walk to say the word deadlocked uh-huh. is from a different take. And there was just something really, um, really sad about the way he because mm. he, he and the, the melancholy. And I feel like this guy's really still in love with mm-hmm. his wife and he really wants to, he wants to make this work and mm-hmm. uh you know I, I i get the sense that you know we're 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 finally getting a glimpse at you know the home life of howard that that uh you know not not everything is perfect behind the curtain yeah i had yeah. to i had to think back because i was like do we i don't remember knowing anything <laughs> so that's why i wrote these notes i'm like cheryl won't talk whoa well it was what this beautiful that? thing that ann did that had like um Every and I and I talked to each of the actors about it. I've 
every things are not as they seem. And then I also felt like um, no action happens in a bubble. There are consequences, some ripple effect consequences that appear in this episode. And then also almost every character to a man uh, shows a vulnerability that we might not have been aware of. Cliff Maine having a son that has a drug problem. Yeah. Gus Fring having this. Um, I'm, I talked to Giancarlo, who's lovely to work with, as I'm sure everybody would guess, um, about that small private moment of being irritated that he has to be armed and wear a gun mm-hmm. on his ankle. And um, and this beautiful scene from Patrick, um, Kim finding out they're being followed and being frightened. Like everybody had this little bit of a little bit of a soft belly or even like Peter um, Dyseth who did an incredible job with DDA Oakley. And even though he's yeah. standing up for himself, we find out that he has a line in the sand with ethics. That's really like eating away at him. Um, and I just thought you did a beautiful job with that. Anne. Oh, thank you. Well, very nice. I mean, I'm not sure if frankly, I can say that any of those, those moments put together were actually uh, purposeful in that sense. But I do think this episode, yeah, our characters let their guard down mm-hmm. at certain moments. I mean, Kim thinking, you're thinking that you're being followed, which of course you were, but sort of when <laughs> you talk to, when you talk to, to Jimmy about it yeah. and, you know, you are very, I guess vulnerable, yeah. And then I love the way that he he responds to that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Did you go? Th- did you guys? I'm rewatching um all of Better Call Saul now. Uh, and because my it's a really I'm good show. Letting my kids watch it, it's really good. You guys, well regarded. Um, but um, <laughs> I totally had not put two and two together that Jim, that the Jimmy and Kim eating in bed is reminiscent of them eating pie in bed a yes. long time ago when she says, I, do whatever you want, but I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yep. And now it's completely totally didn't get that. Sorry. Director fail on that. Everything one. is on um, purpose, right? <laughs> but I did the um, no one will ever see this. But if the there is a drawing that Kim has of a woman laying on a bed in her living room that's on the bookshelf you pass as you go through the hallway to the bedroom and that is exactly how Kim is laying on the bed i did set that up oh right? nice nice that. oh man <laughs> i love that and have we that's Ray, so cool have we, i don't know if we've mentioned before on the podcast or anywhere else but that some of the artwork in in Kim's condo is is uh, some Ray Seahorn original art correct tr- is that is that, yeah. is that public There's, is that information yeah. that we're allowed to say yeah people know that the bird paintings over the bed were made by me the drawing i just mentioned was made by me and i think there's a a a drawing of some sheets and a drawing of an owl there's there's quite a few pieces in her apartment and um there's been a couple of quick uh, sorry close calls where uh (laughs) certain dps wanted to spray mattifying spray all over them and and there's and usually it's melissa bernstein running and going no 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 those are those are actually personally owned paintings hey ray how did how did your work end up on the uh as as the set deck did you she paid us (laughs) did you did somebody ask you or did you offer when they were first building the condo set because season one when you see Jimmy wake him up to ask questions about the Kettleman case and talk about robot sex voice. Um, that bedroom that I am in is actually an, a, was an abandoned store two doors down from the nail salon that right. we shot at like four o'clock in the morning. Um, and literally it's just the bed and one wall. Everything else was just 
trash and everything. Uh, so in season two, when they said we're actually building your bedroom and your condo, um, I'm pretty sure I started crying. I was very excited. I was like, well, I think I'm going to get a, I think I might live a couple more episodes. <laughs> Nobody would spend the money to build my bedroom if I'm going to die soon. Um, like the Dresden <laughs> Roberts will most likely kill you in the morning, but uh, as of um, today, it's all good. So Mel- I think it was Melissa called me and said the art department wanted to know if you have any personal oh, items that you'd like to right. put in or photos. And that was when I said, I'm happy to show you my artwork. I'm glad you guys are interested. Um, but please, 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 if I'm allowed any input, uh, I don't want her to have any personal photos anywhere. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't know as much as we know about Kim now, but from the get-go, the architecture of Kim has felt like somebody that does not choose for you to know who her relatives or fr- I don't think she's got a sorority picture on the wall. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think she has personal vestments like that. And they um, they agreed, which I was happy about. Well, your art is really good. What What's it like being so talented, Ray Seahorn? <laughs> like, oh, okay, like, everybody hey. else on here has to answer that question. Oh, about I tell you. Okay. You did so, you did so, oh, go ahead, Kelly. Tell no, me. you go. Like, no. It's going to be, it's gonna, I'm looking at the clock. I know, just, we're going to okay, run out of time yeah. in like 15 minutes. Hey, how minutes. great was it seeing Wendy again? That's what oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Julie. Julie. Crystal Palace. And Crossroads. Yes. Yeah. Getting to see the motel. Yes, Julia is amazing. I had yeah. such a blast with her. Um, and she looks the same. We were like, yeah, oh, that's why when we see her, I don't know. Are we going to have to CGI? What do we do? No, she just looks the same. I mean, yeah. Is she still running wonderful. marathons? She is. Jam. She is. She's incredible. It's been almost, tw- it's been almost like 15 years, I think, since. Like- and we should add when we say she still looks the same. It takes a lot of makeup to make her look like. Uh, right. Yes. Lady, you know. That is worth saying. Because yes. in real life, she's a very attractive. Yeah. No. Uh, she's not walking around lady. just looking like Wendy. I didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah. No. No. I know <laughs> you. She did, has but not I aged. I think is the yeah. that's the it's yeah. it's, a, yes. it's astonishing how she Correct. has not aged. Yeah. Now, having said that, we're talking. There's a lot of people listening to this who probably never seen Breaking Bad, so they won't know how who meaningful Wendy, Wendy, the character Wendy, yeah. is. So, uh, to to which I have to say, watch Breaking Bad. Make sure you pay. A lot of what the, whatever the maximum cost version of it is. <laughs> uh, don't look it up on Pirate Bay or anything like that. Pay for it and enjoy. So yeah. it was so much fun seeing her um, with Bob again, and uh, and then me, and then I got to do a scene with her as well. And she was, she's just she's just a uh, a lot of fun. And Spooge. Um, and Spooge. Oh God, yeah. Spooge! Spooge. Was yeah. So nice. He was. David nice. looks the it's same so too. Wonderful. And the beard. He, he exactly hasn't changed a bit. The totally Beanie Baby Club, yes, too, at brought the back the contract oh, yes. uh, administrator. She's so yes. good. Yes. Uh, Nadine. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was so great seeing Nadine and, and David. David speaks fluent Japanese. Wow. Right? Does he really? Yeah. I think he, I don't know why. I think he lived in Japan. But he's, and again, for folks who've never seen uh, Breaking Bad, <laughs> that gentleman who's waiting in the nail salon who says, oh. you're the guy, right? You're, you're Salamanca's guy. If you don't know who he is, if you've never seen Breaking Bad, well, for God's sake, watch Breaking Bad. And, uh, and he, you'll know who that is. He also yeah. has has a fairly large role on uh, the show Lodge 49, uh, which is a show that right. uh, oh, does he? some of us in the room were lucky enough to work on the first season. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great show. That's a good show. That was a good show. It is. Uh, to, also, I, what I, I know we're going to run out of time, but I, one of the things I love about this episode and this season so far is that I feel like there's this caper that's had, there's this plan that's in motion. Uh, and, mm. and we are intent, the audience, we are intentionally 
behind them. We're behind Kim and Jimmy as far as like what the what is going on, and like it keeps slow and rolling. That, yeah. yeah, and 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 you know they sort of talked about this thing that is now paying off in this. So we go, oh, this is what they were talking about about the car and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, the the car caper bit of it. Uh, I know <laughs> Peter in the mix. And it made us so happy. The the sound of the car like revving yes. as as uh, as Jimmy like screeches out to go, you know, fulfill the promise of the of the caper. I, I love I love that sequence a lot. Okay. It's just just when he floors it and Wendy kind of grabs the dashboard. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's <laughs> so just a be- it's a beautiful moment. And the two incredible car shots uh, that um, that Paul Donaghy. Um, uh, designed and came to me and pitched to me and I was like oh my god hell yes the one where Jimmy's pulling out dressed as Hamlin and the camera is mounted on the door and mm-hmm. he opens it and you're able to see him go get the cone and then he gets back in as a wonder and then also that incredible long long zoom shot that that when Kim finds out she's being followed that seems to go through a car and come out the other side um, those were really fun and that is, by the way, Kelly, that is another example of uh, something that had some digital elements. Very subtle Because when you, what, when you shot that, there was no, as I believe, isn't it right? There was no windshield and no rear wow. mirror. The, f- and wow. the whole front, front windshield was gone. Yes. Exactly, which includes the, 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 the mirror and then the, the, the team at Rodeo. Um, very, I mean, I don't, I think there was, I don't even think we had any revisions to it. No. They just knocked no. it out of the park and it, I mean, it seems yeah. simple, but it's not. Because there's rack it's focuses not. and Can't be. what was the reason? Was it for reflections or what was it for? Because the camera, the the uh, oh, to remove the front one, yeah, it's the it's the lens. It would have seen too many reflections, and it's actually okay. going all the way from me across the street yep. and through and ending up on the other side. Um, was the camera did it actually start inside the car and the two actors are like leaning away from it and then they was it all the way in the car? No, it, it was started? not in the car. Oh, they okay. are leaning a little bit okay. until gotcha. until they come into view. Gotcha. Two questions about really simple visual effects, if there were. And also, just as a director, you know, and this is why I don't want to direct, because there's so many little moments that, you know, you're having to, like, figure out, you know, on the day or sometimes, you know, before. But it's just like, why can't I use my time to figure out better things? So the first question is, how did you stop all that bronzer makeup from getting on Jimmy's white, white, white Howard collar? Was that visual effect? It um, it wasn't no, it actually. Did, Good question. It okay. It did get on the collar, and so we then purposely put it on the collar. But it's a small, it's small amount. We didn't want it to be distracting, but it okay. is on the collar. Yeah, because I mean, I kept looking at it, going, "Damn, that collar is." And you do really close shots on it too, so mm-hmm. that collar is like super white that Howard would have. And I'm like, "How the fuck did they Chris? Do did that? you did you guys alter that? Not I, at not all. No, knowledge. we didn't touch it. No." No, right. that, that's why I didn't even think about it. That's a great question. Okay, my next uh, question is, um, it, when you were doing the whole uh, part where, oh, I guess all of it, where you're pulling out car, Howard's car with Jimmy in it, and then you're doing the whole cone and the the parking thing, um, I noticed that um, the sun was in a lot of different places. Did that bug you? I mean, that's, that's like a, a deal that we have to deal with all the time. Did that bug you as as how you your light was changing? It it was. It does make you feel like you have to hurry as fast as you can. And even though that scene is short, it's very complicated. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And both the entrance and the exit. And um, Paul 
let me know that it's very harsh sunlight and we are going to be struggling with it. But the other places we looked at um, with Christian, um, our wonderful locations person, like they, this was the only one that to me felt like Howard would let his guard down. If we're going to have a soft place where this man finally is not buttoned up and even his casual way of speaking has a certain presentational quality to it. And I talked Mm -hmm. to um, Patrick about it and I was like, I think, I think everything could be different for a second, what posture and um, vocal rhythms. And so I knew I needed a soft place that does not feel like HHM and it doesn't feel buttoned up. And so this was the only location that served that purpose. And once I told Paul that that's why I really, really needed this place, he, he understood. Plus we wanted a second floor window to see Jimmy running by. There was a lot of elements at a parking, a parking lot that's close enough that you could feel that he might sneak up on him any minute, but he can't be seen where the car, there were so many things that in the end we had to choose fighting the sun as our, as our biggest obstacle. It's, it's very well, the whole, the whole episode is very well directed, very well edited. That, that, that sequence made me so nervous in a good way where I mean, he's such a shit. He doesn't deserve to get away with it, you know, our, our hero, Jimmy, but or Saul. But when he is, uh, he makes it back, and then I love how he gets so mad. Who moves a cone? I love it. <laughs> and, and, then yeah, and the best yeah. line reading of the word crap ever. Crap. I, I also as far as bob's line readings too another one that i love and that i that I, I would have fought for if anybody ever challenged it but nobody ever did was the way he says um when he's talking he's telling kim the story and it's like so i wrestle it and uh it it, re- it reminded me of uh the way that uh the chris farley motivational speaker sketch yes. from saturday night live and originally from second which city wrote. which he wrote which exactly he wrote. Yeah. and it, it just i don't it felt i don't know if it was intentional so or not funny. but it, it always it gives me those vibes and i and I, I just that that i think is the funniest sketch of my life i my so buddy oliver and i we used to just rewind because we would tape them and i would just rewind and rewind when he would just fall <laughs> on the, the anyway it's the best it's the best sketch i'd recommend it it's all it's out there um and and i'm, I'm going on and on we have so little time left the, the one other thing i, wanna... I just want to throw in that peter also you you had a wonderful idea that i got to do i was given the time to do as a pickup which is to shoot to get another piece of bob wrestling the sign that was overhead um, where Jimmy looks up and number one, it's very funny, but number two, uh, it helped us sell how hard it should look to get that thing out. And right. it was a really mm-hmm. great idea. I was so happy. I got the time to do that. That was, I love that scene. So who was the most fun actor to direct and who was the least fun? Oh, God. Well, this is good. <laughs> I'm the most fun. No, oh, interesting. All right. Interesting. I'll buy that. You know what? It's good to be, it's good to have confidence. Yeah. It's, yeah it's no, I, yes. I, I I meant I'm the least argumentative with myself because it's me if I'm directing myself. Great job. (laughs) You are the the most fun, though. No, hardly. How was Bob Bob to direct? Bob was fun. So here's what's funny about directing Bob is he and I discussed the scenes ad nauseum like nerd camp at home where we live in the rental place. Because you guys are roommates, yeah. It probably looked like I was too afraid to give him direction. But I, I kind of, I wish I could have told everyone like, no, 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 we already discussed it for 10 hours. We're like, gotcha. we're good. But um, he, he and I uh, have a lot of fun dissecting scenes and that was fun. Um, uh, Giancarlo was just lovely. And I was careful with the people that I have not um, been in scenes with to ask them, Hey, 
Do you like to talk about a scene beforehand? Do you want to wait till you're through um, uh, one one master, or is it? Or tell me how to tell me how to aid your process or get out of the way of your process. And Giancarlo was like, "I love to talk about the scene. I'd love to talk about what this moment means for Gus." And I was like, "To me, that's like heaven." I'm like, "Let's sit down. I have nine binders." But, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Peter Dyseth was amazing and so much fun and so game, and he takes direction so well. It's Bill um, Oakley. The ADA. Yeah. I cannot believe I've still never met him all these years. Later. Really? No. And he's funny as shit. He is so he's damn funny. So he's great. great. He's wonderful. Um, Nadine playing Beanie Baby, uh, court <laughs> scheduling woman. Um, she's us. She will go. She'll do it sixteen different, completely different ways. If you're up for it and wanna and wanna see different versions. Um, she's great. And and what about Patrick, director Patrick? That must have been fun. I loved directing Patrick, and I loved, another roommate, um, right? Another roommate, and we went about that scene by talking about uh, if if Hamlin had no guard at all and didn't suppress anything, what would it feel like? What would it look like? And then on the day, we went to a place of then saying, "Let's swallow it." And a note that Patrick love that it was some note that I think Molly Smith at arena stage gave me a long time ago was if you're playing a character that's trying to suppress something um, rather than worrying about working to the result of that, of what that emotion is, we've all heard this a million times play against, but to physicalize that is sometimes an even quicker way um, in the moment to tell yourself, where is the thing? Like, you know, when you feel like there's a lump in your throat, you can't swallow or when it feels more like indigestion or when it feels more like you're going to throw up uh, or where, or where pain feels like a splitting headache, pick that thing and then try to talk through it. And so he, what he's doing in that scene is he did this stuff that we talked about for days uh, about all the stuff that his character's feeling. And then, um, I don't know the answer, but he chose where he was, where it was living in his body. And then you try to, even the physical adjustments he's trying to make to sit, to get comfortable and to speak was about uh, pushing through wherever he decided this pain was. And I thought he just did a glorious job at it. Fantastic. What, what was the most fun part and the least fun part about directing? Um, most fun was, I, I loved all the production meetings. I really like tone meetings and all of those. I loved talking to you guys about wow. like, what do you think this beat means? What do you think this scene means? Um, that was really one of my, and, and I, it'll make me cry now. All of you guys know this feeling that I've directed, but um, when you start realizing how many artists are trying to paint the painting that you're describing it's just yeah. it's incredibly moving yeah. um yeah. that this many people want to bring and go uh, how about this you know props and like how, how whatever it is um trying to bring this story to life and then the actors that well that the collaboration was a, just an amazing amazing thing um hardest for me was to ever not feel available to my scene partners when i had to direct myself mm -hmm. i just really felt bad if I ever cheated them because I needed to watch them with the other part of my brain. Um, but I did the best I could by rehearsing with them beforehand. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Smart. Yeah. And, and time, I have to say, but that everybody knows that the, the oh, idea yeah. that you don't have infinite number of hours, yeah. like yeah. it's the simplest thing to say, but it really is. It really is the, the hardest that you, you have to move on. I mean, I could 
I feel like I'd be very good at directing like theater, like in Poland, where you get to do one play for nine months. I think I'd be really good at that. <laughs> it's it's the same the same problem in film and television. It's also the same in podcasting. We never have enough time, and we we unfortunately have to wrap up right now, and uh, which yeah. is such a bummer. I feel like we feel like we've been talking for ten minutes, but it, it has been a while. Um, but I just want to thank you guys for coming out to the Zoom, coming out to the Zoom, coming on. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, and, and, and just everybody being here and, and sharing your time and your, your insights into this, this episode that I have really loved working on. And, uh, and yeah, and, th- and th- thanks for everything you guys have done this whole season. Uh, and there's so much more to come. And I want to also want to thank Mike Behrman Trout. Yep. Anytime. And, uh, and Chris Sullivan for, for no reason in particular. And, um, and Jen Carroll, of course, for, for making these things happen by sheer force of will and Yay, Jen. Uh, I Yay, Jen. All Yay, Jen. appreciate that. And and um, Ray, we uh, we end every Thank episode. You guys oh well, you go ahead. The opportunity to direct, and also for one of the greatest roles of my lifetime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hopefully you this did, isn't the last. You time did a I fantastic to you job, Ray. I was so happy with this episode, and it was working with you was really fun. Everybody, uh, certainly, I personally, I loved working with you, and then the whole crew just loved every minute of it and uh people talked about it said wonderful things behind your back and uh i i suspect you're going to be doing a lot more a lot more directing in the future if if that's what you want to do i think so too and yeah. Anne, lots more writing from Anne. great job Anne. yes, yes. yes. oh excellent and we missed I, you well i, I yes i haven't and, seen and, you in ages and i you and uh Yes, and this is the first season that I actually was uh, allowed to write two episodes, so I have another one coming up later in this. And it's season. a great oh, one. Oh, that's a just great one. Oh, everyone. What an episode! And yeah. and uh, and hopefully for b- both you, Ray and Anne, this uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we have uh, to talk on the podcast. Uh, hopefully there's hopefully there's more to come. Hopefully there's more Kim Not Wexler. I guess we'll find out. I'll just I'll just show up now that I have the Zoom invite. Like, I'll just <laughs> show up. <laughs> different ones. I love that. Uh, Ray, we end every episode by having uh, one of the guests do their best. Um, uh, uh, Saul Goodman style Better Call Saul will you take us out yep Better Call Saul yay yay alright nice <laughs>